man, I'm having so much fun. This is a $1.6 trillion industry. I'm talking about the food and beverage space. If you're not having fun, you're in the wrong place. Yes, it's hard work, but my gosh, the companies, the brands, the flavors, the experiences, the missions, it's fantastic. But some of the brands are different, better, and special. They're the ones who are able to really compete and vie for customer loyalty. Look, I know you want to make your brand different, better, and special. I know you yourself want to be different, better, and special. That's my mission. That's why you're here. Join me on this journey as I interview CEOs and founders from all the different companies within the food and beverage industry so we can discover what they're doing so we can take that information back, digest it, and become better ourselves and to help our companies take on different strategies, pick the right technology, pick the right partners. And of course, you got to have great tasting food. You got to have great tasting beverages, package goods. If it doesn't taste good, you're lost. I'm sorry. You're going to lose millions. If you're new here, take the five episode challenge, go back, pick out some brands and CEOs, some topics. If you love the content, subscribe. You're going to find it on every podcast platform once or twice a week. But I also publish them on LinkedIn because that's where we kind of hang out. So when you see it on LinkedIn, stop by, make a comment, share it back into your food and beverage network. I would appreciate it. The brands would appreciate it. To all my loyal listeners, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being with me on this journey. Thanks for coming along on this mission for the past two years. If you are considering a strategic job change, message me. Let's have a confidential conversation. If your brand is growing and you need to attract experts, you also need to contact me because I have created a different, better, and special recruiting system. I promise you, no other search firm in America is doing that. Who am I? I'm Tony Moore. I'm an expert food and beverage headhunter, semi-professional podcaster, and I'm here each and every week. Stay tuned for this week's episode. I have got Kevin Scott with me here today. You're going to hear from him in a minute. He's my uh, food and beverage expert, 30 plus year executive from Coca-Cola. Today, I've got Jeff Van Pavanage. He's the chief executive officer for Columbia Grain International. And I noticed that they had launched a new retail product. And that really caught my eye. You could tell this company was going through a pivot. I'm really excited to hear more about the company, how they made this pivot into retail, how they wanted to get involved in direct to consumer. Along the way, man, oh man, did we have some major techie issues today. Like 25% into the podcast, I was shut out of the podcast, totally kicked out. But Kevin was there, Jeff was there, they finished the conversation. Thank you guys so much for making this such a successful podcast. It is so much fun, and I look forward to bringing you every week another executive from the food and beverage space. Jeff, welcome in. Good morning, Tony. Kevin, thanks. Uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on today and looking forward to this. So. Looking forward to having you as well. Um, t- so, for look, obviously in the farming world, Columbia Grains is extremely well known. But for those people who may not have the the, the understanding, just give us a little bit of an overview of, of the company and, and what your mission is. Sure. Um, 
Tony, we are about a 44-year-old company, and we started uh, with the help of a company called Marabini, a Japanese trading company, and that's that's who our owner is. And really, we were started as a company to be a food chain supply line for wheat, corn, soybeans. We've spent you know the better part of about the first 20 years basically just supplying Panamax vessels of wheat, corn, soybeans all over the uh, Asian subcontinent. And uh, after about 20 years, we branched into handling a few more specialty crops. And after about 30 years, we really became a player in the uh, lentils, peas, chickpeas world and dry beans as well. So we built ourselves into the largest originator of these pulse crops, as they're called, and uh, have built about nine processing facilities across the United States, primarily in the northern tier where most of the production is. And spent, you know, really about the last 15 years supplying international markets and a few food companies in the U.S. with these products, but more in, in a larger bulk fashion. So over the last two to three years, we've been looking at concentrating and trying to figure out how do we really get to the consumer so we can have a complete from the farm to the consumer line. And I, I don't want to go out with farm to table. Everybody talks about that. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> well, you know, but, but you technically, you literally do work with farms. So, yes, we you do. know, you're not greenwashing. We get a lot of that. You know, Kevin, here's a lot of this stuff. That's that's not the case. How many farms do you guys really work with? How many of these growers are kind of in your, your network? Literally, there's over 5,000 farmer customers that we have uh, from Washington, Idaho, Montana, North Dakota. So are any from Kansas? What's that? I said any farming in Kansas. Well, we have a facility in Hastings, Nebraska. So we do pull peas and uh, dry beans out of the Kansas country into our Hastings, Nebraska plant. I just wanted Kevin to feel part of this, you know, as a a Kansas boy, he's, you know, he's so excited that they, that they won the national championship. I thought I would give him his 30 seconds of just little bit of excitement and then let's get back to reality okay you, you probably shouldn't open that one up because I, I i won't stop talking about it <laughs> <laughs> with all the different farmers that you're working with i'm just curious how important are those local farmers to their communities are those like the center like the economic hub the center of, of these little towns they they are the community um you know the farming is what makes those communities possible if you particularly you go out through you know all the small towns that where we uh, operate that is the main economic we've got one one particular town in uh, central montana i mean there are three pulse plat processing companies there there are two grain companies there and of the 400 people live there about 100 of the jobs are are part of that the rest of them are farming and, you know, maybe 10 to 15 percent just other other businesses that support the community in town. So it's an extremely important part of what we do is be part of the town. We actually have uh, over the years, we've had two different mayors of small towns that work for us. 
Nice. So, so Jeff, I'm curious. <clears throat> when you uh, you said you have five thousand farmers that you work with, what's the decision tree on that? Is it okay? This is a good area of the U.S. This is good from a supply chain or transportation mode. But what, what goes into deciding what farmers or farms you work with? Well, I guess the, here's our decision making factor and how we look at it. We have these facilities. We look at the ground around it, say, for 30 miles, kind of as our ground. We have to figure out how to create markets, how to handle the products that those farmers want to grow and find also bring back to those farmers. We're, we're an information education source. What does the world want? What should you grow? What's, you know, what's competitive? What's going what's gonna to feed your family? So we're always out searching for markets, talking to consumers, looking at where the latest trends are and saying, bring it out. Take, a, take garbanzo beans for an example. If you go back 10 years ago in the United States, we only grew about 180,000 acres of garbanzo beans, primarily Washington and Idaho. Take a look at where hummus, is, hummus uh, demand has gone in the last 10 years. It's probably well over 15 times at that uh, at where it was 10 years ago. So we started introducing garbanzo bean production into Montana. I think five years ago, we grew about 780,000 acres of garbanzo beans in the United States, primarily driven by the demand in the United States, as well as the rest of the world, because it's become a, a commodity that people want. People want to eat healthier. And it's a very, very healthy food, as well as it's making, it's you know, converting itself into very interesting food products. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, you're really, really a co-op. You're, you, it's literally. Oh, don't say that word. Don't say that word. Is that a bad? Okay, <laughs> so why is that a bad word? I mean, that's, I'm not a farmer, so t- this is good. Why? I typically co-ops are, use co-ops are a competitor of of us. We're a we're a private corporation, and you do get a, a kind of a competitive factor going into that. We like to look at it that we we work with farmers without uh, being a cooperative type of scenario. So good. So for all of you out there, this is, this is a a great example of foot and mouth. Um, (laughs) And we're not going to edit this out. You know, we're going to keep this, keep this real. So this is, this is educational for us too. So the, so that, so it's, you, you, you prefer to call it a partnership. Is that. I do. That's, that's really how we look at it is the work we do with farmers is a partnership and our business is 100% built on relationships we could have the greatest assets in the world out there, but it would do us no good if we didn't have the right people sitting in the right seats and out there creating relationships with farmers. It's so much easier to drive this business when we have really good relationships with the farmers and they'll listen to us and we listen to them and we figure out how we are going to create food for the world. So, so think about it this way, Jeff, you're, you're basically a lifer for the company, right? I mean, you started, you, that's, this is the company that you've grown up with. Yes. I was in college when I started working for them. The last uh, semester I had, I did an intern for them and I've been 32 years with them. So, so how do you pass that knowledge on to 
employees that you're bringing in. My, my guess is you're probably looking for the next generation of leaders. So h- how do you share that knowledge and how do you get them enthusiastic about working for your company and what's that look like? You know, that's that's really been a big part of my job the last three years, I would say. I, the first two to three years as CEO, I had a hard time converting myself from being a trader because once you're, once you're a trader, you really kind of, it sticks with you. And I had to get myself out of that trader mode. But I've moved five times for this company. I've traded four different commodities for this tr- company. Uh, at one point in time, all I wanted to do was trade wheat. And I thought peas and lentils and chickpeas were about as dumb of a commodity as you could have. And in the middle of my career, I understood the future of them. And I made a big switch to where I went primarily into that business. And I built our business into the largest pea and lentil chickpea company in the United States. Um, and so I've seen, I've seen the, the bulk vessel, I've seen the, um, the grain side of things, and I've seen the, the post crop side of things. And so I spend a lot of my time talking to our young people about what's the future and how are you flexible and can you move yourself into the trend that we see going on that helps the company and helps feed the world as well. Uh, We've got, we're actually a very young staff team right now. And so the more time I can spend with them, just talking about what's important in the business, what's important in the relationships with farmers and how do we, how do we look at changing the company to go a different direction if we need to? Well, and you just did. Yes. You just did. And that was really one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about today. And this is one of the reasons really why I wanted to have Kevin here, too, with his background in launching so many different brands at Coke and the CPG world. You guys have decided and we had a little conversation ahead of time. You're a big believer in innovation. And you just talked about how you took over an area and um, really expanded it. And you wanted to do that into the retail space. Why did you come up with this idea? How did this idea come about to to go from this partnership into reaching consumers directly and launching your own brand, Balanced Bushel? Tell us a little bit about that process. Well, when you have as big a footprint as we have, um, one of the things I've been trying to do is find supply lines for each commodity. So a wheat, corn, soybeans, it's a really easy supply line. You've got flour mills in the United States. You've got the Asian market for your corn, your, the Chinese market, your soybeans. And, you know, so then we looked at how do we create markets for canola and flax? We bought into a company about five years ago uh, called Montana Specialty Mills, and they are a producer of uh, mustard as well as non-GMO canola and organic canola. And right about the same time, I was also seeing there's a lot of demand for uh, organics out here. And probably what tipped me off to that was moving to Portland and going to a few grocery stores and Costco And you walk into Costco in Oregon, and it seemed like 40% of the products were organic and in the food section. And so I wanted to start pushing our company that way. So I built the supply lines for the non-GMO canola, the organic canola, and um, into our crushing facility we have in Great Falls, as well as the mustard facility in Conrad, Montana. And the natural thing would be then, how do we get to the consumer uh, with our peas, lentils, dry beans? So we started looking at, let's let's figure out how we can get into the small pack game. 
we've also looked at, you know, the craze is uh, pea protein, chickpea protein, plant-based protein. And I felt like we were maybe a little too late to the game on that. There's been a lot of production uh, in North America on that already. So where did I think we could do a better job of? And that was in the uh, small pack business and particularly leveraging the fact that we are procuring all this product directly from the farmers. We know where it's grown. We know what the quality of it, what it looks like. And we also know what the consumer wants, or we think we know what the consumer wants. How can we be the conduit to cultivate that business in a different way than, than what's happening today? And you can go to the store today and buy your uh, one pound pillow packs. COVID really pushed me on this too. I'm a big believer in that if you're healthy, you probably don't have to worry near as much about COVID. So let's eat right. I mean, let's just let's just eat right and eat foods that are good for you. So about three years ago, we started changing our uh, logo to give us a little more consumer friendly look. So we were preparing ourselves to get downstream. Then we started talking about uh, cultivating growth and and what's cultivation, but it's, it's promoting or improving growth. It's, it's putting labor and attention towards a product or it's developing and improving by education. So how do we, how do we educate the consumer to eat healthier? And that's by putting out a better looking uh, small pack, two pound, or what we've opted to go towards more is the five pound stand up uh, package with the zip top. And I think about, you know, when you buy these one pound pillow packs, they call them and, and they're all plastic and you just kind of rip it open a little bit and usually use a half a cup. goes all over your counter. And then you got it in your, your cupboard. Pretty soon right. it's wide open and pretty soon you got lentils and black beans all over your, your cupboard. So let's get with the Ziploc top so that the consumer's cleaner in his, in his cupboard and uh, it's easier, more friendly for the consumer. We also went to, you know, what's important if you want to sell the premium and if, if you want to look like you've got the high quality, you know, accentuate your high quality. Let's have a, a good looking package that drives the consumer towards your product versus just your standard clear flimsy bag. Um, we're also going to work to, you know, probably leverage Montana. I, I look at Montana as the big sky state. Uh, the home of a lot of blue sky, a lot of glacier park, a lot of uh, clearness. And that says healthy to me as well. So if we can market and leverage ourselves off the farmers that produce the product there and make sure that we talk about that in our package, that's what we're going to do to put it out there. Got it. Got it. So visual ID. So you, you changed the logo, then it was visual ID. So you were just... I think it was an attempt to bring you in newer, fresher, better graphics and, and get the message across about what you have to offer. And it, it sounds like it's working for you. Yeah, I, I guess we'll find out pretty soon when, when we get out in the market. But I, it's definitely working for us both. You know, you talk about what am I doing to to get the younger generation here to understand the company. And yeah. that's a lot of what our um our logo change and our discussion is it's about 
cultivating the culture here at Columbia Grain. And, and I've got to give a big shout out to a company called Christie and Company, who's helped me a lot to uh, work on our branding, our public relations and how we're out there um, and how we're going to get viewed by the consumer, as well as you have to have that culture and that thought in the people that are producing it, right? The, the people that are making the relationships with the growers, the people that are packaging the product and making sure that they're watching for uh, what kind of quality balanced bushel is going to look like. Right, right. So in, in your particular case too, you, you do have a good product. You're forward thinking, uh, you're on top of the trends, you can give advice, but it sounds like the, the number one uh, benefactor is all about relationships that you have. Definitely it is, yes. I also, I also got to give a little bit of a shout out to the way we picked our brand, Balanced Bushel, was a contest amongst our employees, our people. And we had about 11 different people who provided uh, artwork and ideas for names. And in the end, we actually kind of ended up using about four of them's ideas and put it together as one brand and one package. So. Nice. Nice. So how did that initiate? It was, Hey, listen, we're going to give you a little bit of forward thinking. We're, we're thinking about going in a direction. I mean, how did you get employee input? How, how did you um, lead that with them? We just, we, we kind of put it out there for them and said, look, this is where we want to go. We want to create this brand. We want to get out to the consumer and we want you to be part of it. So everybody, if you want to be part of it, you got the next 60 days to give us your brand name ideas, your artwork, um, how you would put it out. And everybody just submitted, you know, everybody who wanted to submitted ideas for us. And I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. And I'm really curious about, because you guys are all over the world. Um, you got to know trends. I'm just curious with what's going on in Ukraine. Is this affecting your business? And if it is, or have you had to pivot or what, what does that look like right now for you? Well, war is never good. Uh, right. But the statement, you know, when people ask me to make a statement to the company, I, I had to say war is never good. But in this circumstance, it's good for our company. And that is about the fact that the Ukraine is the number four uh exporter of supplier of wheat in the world. They're a huge supplier of corn in the world. And that's driven a lot of business from the Ukraine to the United States to supply China, um, to supply other areas of the world with products that they're, they're going to have a hard time producing as well as transporting. And probably the biggest impediment to our business today is about logistics and transportation. And you know, in the United States today, the railroads aren't exactly functioning great. Trucking is in short supply. And and logistics around, you know, the container logistics around the world are horrendous today. So feeding the world is a lot about how are we going to get the logistics uh, fixed and get on, on par. So uh, all that has caused shifts in where grain and these pulses are moving from. And we're going to continue to see that probably for the next 18 months, at least as right now is seeding time in the Ukraine, in Russia, and they're going to have a hard time doing that. 
And so you're going to see a lot more demand come towards the United States, uh, come towards North America for products that they could typically get cheaper from those areas, but won't be available this year. Got it. And, you know, as I think about this, I mean, obviously gas is more than it was and, and everything has gone up in price. Do you see that happening with the, the products that you have to offer? And, and if you if if the answer is yes, could you gauge it? Would this be a 20 percent increase, a 30 percent? What, what's that look like from your standpoint? Most of the products that we handle have made an almost 100 percent increase over the last year. Wow. Will we see increases from where we're at today? I don't think the increase will be as big. Maybe it's 15 to 20% from here, but they're commodity markets, so they're going to be extremely volatile. Mm -hmm. uh, I would tend to think in, in these um, pulse crops, they appear to be eh, kind of like they've done what they're going to do and will maybe stay around these levels where they're at today. Uh, I One of the biggest as I said, the logistics, I mean, some of our transportation costs are up 100 to 150% to get these products around the world. So, Got it. So, so think about, so that's, you know, on an international scene, but what, what, I, I'm kind of curious, what is your <clears throat> strategy around grocery expansion? What, what does that look like? Because it's kind of a new area for you. So as we, we come out with these products into the grocery store lines, we'll, we'll go three different directions. We'll work towards our own product in the grocery store lines where we're working with um, different distributors right now. We'll also work towards co-packing for some of the bigger brands because I don't think we can really start it strictly on our own brand. We'll need some co-packing to fill in the blanks until the business really gets up and going. We've developed our e-commerce site on our uh, website. So we'll start selling e-commerce as well. We'll also look into the Amazon line as well. So those are similar, except for one of them will be our own e-commerce site that we'll have a little better control on. Right. So you've, you've got distributors lined up at this point or you're still in the exploratory stage or <clears throat> what's that look no, like? We, we've actually been working with some distributors. Um, we've been to some major food shows around the United States uh, showing our product, starting the, the conversations with companies. Uh, we're really just wait, we're waiting for equipment like every everybody else it's you know, <laughs> we just need a few more parts and pieces here and there till we can get our line up and going so this is this got to be pretty exciting for you because you've been with this company for 30 plus years and you're you're kind of going into a new area for you and and building this thing out um what how do you as you bring people on how do you keep the enthusiasm up how do you just transfer your knowledge because probably things that seem normal to you, it's, I mean, it's been 30 plus years. And so I'm just, I, I'm kind of curious, like, how would you bring somebody in as a college graduate? It's like, here's a good company. Here's what we stand for. And here's what we look like. I mean, how do you, how do you bring in young, new talent and, and get them enthused about the business? I think you show them the opportunities that have been given to somebody like me. Yeah. I think you're really doing a great job with really kind of passing the baton and just showing the future that there is so much more. And 
given this culture you have of innovation, I really, to me, I think that's the engine that shows people that there is a path forward, right? This is not just what it used to be. It's almost like you've got your first 40 years and it's like, yes, this is the foundation. This is our marketplace. Now, guess what? Now we've got this engine and we're going to continue to build and spawn and grow and move move out. I think that's what was so inspiring about this move into grocery. I think you've just signaled to the whole company, you know what, don't look back because that's what we were. We're going to continue to do that. But now we, we're charting this new path. <clears throat> when, when are we going to start to see this uh, balanced bushel hitting the marketplace? We should see it out in second half of May. Oh, this is fantastic. So this is this this podcast is coming at a great time. I mean, you're literally we we couldn't have well, with all the technology problems we've had today, just getting this far in this podcast, we can at least say the timing of the podcast is perfect with your launch of your brand. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be uh, right out front and center. Um, we've actually got a new gentleman coming on board, uh, a guy named Bill Germano, who's been he's he launched kettle chips for instance. Um, so one of the products he's done and he's coming to work for us full time. And, uh, I'm looking forward to him taking this out there. And, and by the end of summer, we'll have new crop, new product to put into, uh, into the bags. It'll be fresh. It'll be healthy. It'll help people, uh, become better people, feel better. And I think it's going to be a great future for balanced bushel. It's kind of about a, a balanced life, so to speak. Um, there's been a lot of talk about food shortages coming. This is the perfect product at the perfect time. It's shelf stable. It, it can be used in so many different ways. I, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Are, are we going to see it on the East coast? Am I going to have to we'll beg for samples? On the East coast. In fact, I know we've got uh, a food show lined up in New York here later in the summer. So we will see it on the shelves out in New York as well. And people can get it from our e-commerce site easily enough worldwide. Okay, that's great. Why don't you tell us the the website people can start uh, going to for this balanced bushel? You can find it off of our ColumbiaGrain.com as well as balancedbushel.com. Wow, that's just so simple. That's fantastic. Well, do you have any closing remarks, Kevin? You have, I mean, you, with your CPG background, anything you want to finish us up with? No, I think, well, you know what I do think about Jeff is just, and Tony just mentioned it, you, you control everything from production to packaging to getting it on the shelf. You brought in some, it sounds like some new talent uh, to help with that business unit. And I just, I think it's really a cool thing for you to evolve from, and, and, you know, I don't know if you've reflected, but think back to day one when you started <laughs> and what your company was and now where you are. I mean, you talked about you used to be 59 member company. You got 550 people now. So you had to grow the business. You had to drive additional revenue, but you also had to bring innovation into it. And <clears throat> we're a month away from you rolling out a new product, which I think is amazing. That you can do yeah, that. I mean, we really had to look at different directions and the innovation of it and be aware of what are consumers wanting to eat, what's out there. So, um, and, and you always have to do that because, I mean, I've been with the company 32 years. The company has changed. The way we transport product has changed constantly. What people eat today, I mean, hummus, 
you think about hummus 20 years ago, not very many people did. The growth in that market's been huge. Uh, pea protein. How about um, imitation meats? All those kind of things are evolving and growing fast. I don't know if they'll stick around for 20 years or if it'll be a five-year craze, but you know, you've got to be able to take advantage of it. And that's what I would say with the pea protein. I think we were a little bit slow getting on board because we were grain traders and not necessarily retail people. And now we're starting to get some of those retail people into the company that have looked a different direction. I think we can grow even faster. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. Jeff, really appreciate you, you making time out of your day to kind of share with us this this new evolution that's happening. And I, I, I what I love about this industry is that it's it's really one of those fabric industries of America. Um, I kind of liken it to the automotive industry where it takes so many parts to pull it all together. People don't understand downstream all the supply chain. Farming and everything that you're doing is is literally the foundation of all the food, everything that is being done. It's kind of, it's kind of in the backdrop, you know? So it's, I think it's great that we can talk about it, bring it up in the forefront. And you yeah, guys I, are at the center of that. I think one of the, the neatest things that I've ever done is I've, you know, when I've taken people say from the city of Portland or Seattle and you take them out to the farm and they start to finally realize, gosh, you mean this is where food comes from? It's not from the grocery store. I mean, and literally, I've had people that had never left Seattle that I got them out into Montana, and they're like, holy smokes, this is a different world. But, and that's what I like about us is, you know, we know the farmers. We know where it's coming from. Exactly. And that it ultimately gives you that different, better, special angle when you do go to market. I'd be kind of curious to see how you play this off. Uh, with your marketing and maybe with clever uses, you know, on the packaging. I've already seen your new logo design. So very exciting. Well, thank you both so much for being here on Winning at Work. And we will get this out and um, get it out onto the shelves hopefully soon. And we'll have the podcast out maybe in timing with it all. Tony and Kevin, I appreciate uh, appreciate your time this morning. So 